listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. Today I want to talk about why dream jobs often aren't. That makes me sad already. Well, I think there's going to be a lot in this conversation around what we mean when we say dream job. And then there's going to be a little bit of maybe reality check for for a lot lot of people. Um, But yeah, here's where this came from. I've been talking to a lot of designers lately in a kind of consulting capacity. And many of these designers are looking for their next job. Some have a lot of opportunities in front of them. Some Mm -hmm. are just starting out in their search. But a a common pattern that I'm I'm hearing from these designers is, oh, I want to go work at X company or, ooh, this, this space in Y company seems really interesting. I think that's where I want to be. That would be my dream job. That's my dream job. I, I, yeah. Do you know when people think dream jobs are dream jobs? People think dream jobs are dream jobs before they get there and after they leave. What do you mean? I'm highly projecting here. I mean that the image of a role or a job we might have seems really good when you're getting into it because you don't know everything. (laughs) And then sometimes when you leave a place that you didn't think was great, you're like, wow, that was the best. It's, you know, there's a grass is always greener, rose colored glasses, whatever, like, you know, metaphor you want to use. But there are people who are in dream jobs and they say, I have a dream job, but I hear most people talk about it as either aspirational or reflective. Yeah, I think that's fair. And let's set the stage a little bit clearer here. I think my job right now is a dream job for myself. It's perfect in many ways. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about this a little bit. However, I think I've also gone through this situation myself where I see a company or a role or even an industry and I say, ah, that is incredible. That would be a dream to go do that. Then I do it. And Mm -hmm. uh, I realize over time that a lot of the the outside perspective I had of that company, of that team, of that role, Mm -hmm. of even that industry, it's not quite what I thought it would be. Have have you ever had something like this? Where I got into something and it's not what I thought it would be? Right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Every job is like that. You you always try and get the best um, vision of it that you can, but, you know, reality is always different than, you just don't have all the, the information. Right. Um, I was thinking more about my perception of dream dream jobs and how that's changed. When I was, um, before my design jobs, I was managing teams for a rental car company. I think we've talked about this. I can't remember if I've admitted that. I'm always embarrassed to say that. I don't know why. It's just part of my past. Um, but I had this criteria system where there was, I had three things and I would check in every six months with myself and say, do I have these three things? One was, am I compensated well? Um, two was, um, this was in my twenties Two was, do I have the, the sort of balance that I need to enjoy my life? And three was, am I, um, am I having fun? Um, Do I have good relationships? And so I would go through those things at this place that I worked for. And I was like, man, if you have three of, if you have all three of those things, you have a dream job, like you're at your dream job, hold on to it for dear life. If you have one or two of those things, like, you know, you have really great balance and you really are having fun and enjoying, you know, your, uh, 
your time at work and it contributes meaningfully to your life because you're you're living a good life but you're not paid well like cool like that might be okay or if you just have one of them maybe you just need to be paid really well and that's all that matters mm-hmm. but if you have you know you, you know one or none then you're in a you're in a bad way right and i at that job never had more than two mm. like and i got to facebook and i was like i'm paid well i have great like it, it enables me to live a better life i'm having fun and then I later realized that I also added a fourth one where I, I added, you know, do I feel like I'm having a positive impact on the world? Um, but I, I think it's it's sort of that that was my first take at like what a dream job could be was what I felt I needed. And I'm it's interesting to me because I would I, th- th- that criteria would be entirely different for me right now. Um, Ooh, that's a good point. But the, the takeaway was that I actually I didn't believe you could have a dream job. I believed that you would. Like the people who had them were extremely lucky and that like hold on for dear life. Like if you find something that feels like a dream job, hold on to it. Um, And that was an interesting early 20s first job mindset to have is that it almost felt unachievable. This reminds me so much of, again, back in the early days, you and I, Jasmine, we worked at Facebook in what I like to call the golden era. Yes, you do. (laughs) Uh, And... I remember leaving the company and a lot of people were like, why would you ever leave such a job like that? Like you're getting Mm -hmm. paid incredibly well. You're working with some of the best people in the world. You're at the heart of it. You're working on a product that impacts billions of people. Like you're not going to get it anywhere else. Why would you leave that job? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think you've kind of touched on it here. It's because the things I acknowledge that I need changed, right. They changed. I grew and, for me personally, that was no longer a place where I could get those things, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. So let's be clear here too. There's nothing wrong with ha- having aspirations or ambitions. It's great to say oh, I want to work at Apple someday, or I want to work at such and such company, or whatever. It's okay to have those things. The problem that I think many designers, particularly those just coming out of school or just starting their career, run into is they have this idea of what a dream job will be without considering all of the realities of what it takes to do a job as part of work, as part of your life, mm-hmm. livelihood, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it's okay. It's good even. You should not shy away from pursuing the things that you aspire to, to have from a job. Things like working at a reputable company, mm-hmm. having a really great salary, doing interesting and challenging work, exploring a new territory, in, uh, innovating. All those mm-hmm. things are, are good to have. But when it really comes time to think about a dream job, there's actually some some other things that I think are a little bit core that you would be incredibly in a bad place if you didn't consider. And that's the kind of thing that I see happen time and time again. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about okay. this in detail. One, one thing that came to mind, too, is like the, the first step to having a dream job is knowing what a dream job looks like for you. And so you just mentioned a bunch of things like, you know, do I want to work at a reputable company? Do I want to like work with the best people? Do I want to work in a content space that I care about? Um, Do I want to be at a place that is innovative, that moves fast, that is, um, you know, scrappy? What are the, what are the things that you um, care about? So I think, I think we have a, an episode on values, which might actually be a helpful, like if the question that you come up with as a listener now is like, Oh, how do I form what my vision of a dream job is? know that it's individual to you and who you are as a human being. And so that's a, that's sort of a fun exercise to do. Yeah. 
and, and this really, I think, is the, the crux of what I, I hope people take away from this conversation is that it's, it's good to have these aspirations, these curiosities about what a dream job will look like for you. You also need to put in the work to to really explore those spaces before you even make a decision. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example. So hot right now, AR, VR, virtual <laughs> reality, augmented reality, really, really popular. It, I feel like it's been popular actually for like 10 years now, but uh, I know a number of designers who were really interested in, in moving into that space. They had just started out. They were doing product design. They weren't really excited about it. They wanted to get into VR. So they joined a should not be named VR company. And within about six months to a year, almost, I think there's about three people I can think of. All three of these individuals quit. Mm-hmm. It was not at all what they thought it would be. It's not as glamorous or as exciting or boundary pushing as they thought it would be. Now it was good that they got that experience. They got exposed to that. And they were learning. you one of these people? No. Okay. Let's this actually to relates to your experience. I didn't know if you were like telling a story about a story. No, this is true. This, this relates to your experience in autonomous vehicles That's too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tease that out in a second. But what, what these people found was that the marketing and sales around virtual reality is far ahead of where the reality is. Wow. That's a weird say, sentence to say. <laughs> uh, and instead what they found was that because the space was new, they weren't doing a lot of the fun 3D projects that they thought they would be doing at the job. Instead, what they dealt with was a lot of politics, internal negotiation around, well, do we prioritize the user experience or do we try to do something a little bit more old fashioned here? Um, how do we sell, sell these 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 like new experiences? That's a something that I think a lot of the designers end up spending time on is how do you actually market this thing? Not just how do you create a great experience? Um, there were some additional challenges that I think many designers face in these kind of spaces around innovation because for example, VR is still quote unquote relatively new industry. Designers are tasked with solving problems that no one else has solved. And if you're just starting out, that can be really hard. Some people enjoy yeah. that and thrive in that environment. But it's just not for everybody. And these are spaces too, where sometimes like the technology is developed before the use. And so some of this is very, um, very uh, engineering led. And I can see that being a, a shift too from what designers expect. Like, I, but I think what you're describing is like would be a would be a dream job for someone who's like, you know what, VR, it's going to be my life. I'm going to dedicate the next ten years to learning about this, really investing in it, and, and building my, you know, collaboration and influence skills to be able to be at the forefront of this. And I know it's yeah. going to be a long game. But for somebody who's like, ooh, hot new technology, I want to go in and ship some stuff. Like that would probably not be a dream job because um, like many of these technologies that we're talking about are just so slow moving and so slow developing that once you get inside, you're like, oh, yeah, the job then is not as much about designing within the new technology. It's actually about being a, uh, you know, a teammate. And that can come with its own pros and cons. Yes, absolutely. Depending on the culture. So, yes. And I hope we can transition to that point here in a second. Um, I did want to say, like, in my own experience, I've worked at many, many jobs. I've had the great pleasure of, of working on projects and teams that I, I really I dreamed about doing at once, mm-hmm. one point in my life, right? And so before my most recent job change, I was working on autonomous vehicles. And from the outset, the conversation I would have with other designers or product managers or engineers was always, wow, that must be incredible to work on the forefront of machine learning and artificial intelligence and 
well, how does your car like drive you to work every day? And the reality was, spoiler, the cars could barely like see a stop sign yeah. regularly. <laughs> like they could barely recognize it. And so externally, you know, I own a Tesla. It, it does a pretty good job with its, its quote unquote autopilot. I really enjoy that. Uh, there's some really big named competitors out there with literally billions of dollars of investment. And from what I know in the industry space, autonomous vehicles are at least 10 years away from being able to do something that's like just plain simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had a similar experience just um, for time in ed tech where I was like, I want ed tech mattered to me. Um, I wanted to be able to change the world through education and education moves really slowly. Like when you change, when you, when you develop curriculum or change how people are taught or how they um, can access um, learning the things that whatever, you know, teaching philosophy is putting out there or educational philosophy is putting out there. It takes time. Like think about like years of people in high school or months of people in a semester. So to measure whether somebody who started this course finished it, you just, you, you have so many limited times in the year to ship things, to get metrics on things, to iterate on them. And for other reasons that that's not why it wasn't a dream job for me. There were many reasons that it was, but that can be pretty exhausting um, because it's definitely a long game. And I didn't like, I didn't know that when I got into it. And I also like, I definitely think people I interviewed when I was hiring for both of my um, roles, leading teams, none of them got it. They're like, I want to do good. I want to change the world. Like I'm so passionate. I'm going to go out there and change the world. And you're like, yeah, that's great. Like you can definitely do that. But if you need instant gratification, which, uh, I, I don't, but (laughs) I'm just like sitting back here, lazy in my career. I'm not lazy. I promise. But I think both, both of, both of the roles that we described would, might be a dream job on the surface, but some people don't have patience for that. Right. Exactly right. And one of the things that that I think I'm, I'm trying to ask people here is, Again, it's good to have that dream, but you got to put in a little bit of work to really assess, is this what it's made out to be? And is it going to be right for me and what I've, I've identified as my needs or my mm-hmm. interests? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the industry level kind of thing. I think there's a lot more to looking at a dream job that just for, for whatever reason, maybe they're not as glamorous uh, or whatever. There are certain points you really need to consider. And so you kind of teased out a few of them and mm. uh, I'd love for us to dive into them now. Things like... Will I be supported in this role? Does the company have uh, an organizational structure to support me in my growth and how I want to have impact? Who are my allies or advocates at, at the, in the role? Will they be able to really like stand up and help me grow and mature and do what I need to do? You're looking at me like... Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking like these are all the, the normal things that, that people ask in interviews. Um, but I, I think... I, first of all, I don't think that's true, but yes. Or that we would suggest on a different episode to ask in interviews. Um, but I, I think there's sort of that, like the, the, the bodies of things that make a, a dream job, a dream job are things like what industry I want to work. And we just talked about that. The, the supportive culture, what am I going to learn? How am I going to grow? And by the way, that changes. Like mm-hmm. you may take a job because it feels like a dream job and then something changes. Either you grow or maybe the, your manager leaves. Um, and all of a sudden that, that job that you thought was a dream job, isn't a dream job anymore. Um, there's the compensation, the time off things, there's things outside of work. Um, like 
does, does, do I, you know, a dream job is one that doesn't stress me out so that I can come home and not have anxiety and really be able to, you know, focus on my kids or something like that. And so like crafting that set of things, I keep going back to like, what is that set of things and how do you customize them? I think Mm -hmm. the, the, the takeaway that I would have from just like us deep diving on industry is that it's never just one thing that makes a dream job. It's sort of a profile of things that you have put together either from experience or in a projected world (laughs) where you are happy. Um, and that profile is the thing that you need to check against in an interview, like you're with those questions that you were asking. Yes. Even before you get to the interview stage, you can start researching some of these things, right? Like whether it's ed well, tech or autonomous vehicles or virtual reality, you can go talk to people who are in the industry and say, Hey, tell me about your day. And like, what do you, how do you spend your time? And what do you enjoy about it? What do you not like about it? When honestly, like looking at dream jobs, like I said, like sometimes it's in, um, aspiration and sometimes it's in reflection there's other questions that you can ask right now for those of us who are already working in jobs. How can I make this job a dream job or what would need to change? And so it's not about, I don't think it has to be about like, how do you interview for a dream job? It's really about like, Hey, what, what, what is happening in your life right now that makes, makes something a dream job? Is that need temporary? Is it permanent? Will it evolve over time? And what is it in my control to learn about, to change, to evolve? I love where you're going with this. And I think this is exactly what I'm, I'm, I hope people listening to this can really take away is that there is this list, dare I say, I want to keep, I want to say a matrix for some reason, but maybe it is a matrix of things that you as an individual want or need or desire. And that can be dreamed. Like you can have an entire list of dreamy things. And then what you need to do though, is kind of stack right those things and say, okay, well, if I can't have all of these things, what do I absolutely need? Like what, what can I just not sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, maybe it is your salary. Maybe it's the location of your office. Maybe it's learning it's remote work. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever those things are. Uh, I know, I think that you do this when you're, when you were job searching, I know I do mm. where you kind of take a list of yeah. all like the things that you're kind of really evaluating that the opportunity against and you say, well, it's got this one. It doesn't have this one. Uh, mm-hmm. And I stack rank. I have buckets and then I have like, I have people like the, the thing I care most about it. I, I will not have a dream job without working with good people. Mm-hmm. Like I need to have a manager that I look up to and I trust and um, I'm learning from them and they challenge me and we connect. I need to have um, a team and I can build that team. Like I can make a, a dream job, but I need to have a team that's engaged and committed and wants to grow and wants to be challenged. Um, you know, a team that's honest with me and will ask me tough questions. Um, and then there's sort of like culture. What are our values? Compensation for me is at the very bottom of the list because I'm fortunate enough to be stable now in my life. Um, but yeah, crafting those and saying like, what are deal breakers? What are deal breakers that, um, a, I just can't live without. And then that, that sort of like, wish list of there's the things you must have. And then there's the things that you could have if added on, they would, they would probably make a dream job. So what's your dream job? What are the qualities of your dream job? I was, I was just thinking through that. I'm like, do I have a, do I have this listed out somewhere that I've saved? And I don't think I do. I know I've created these lists before, but I don't have something that I can. Have you had a dream job before? I mean, you talked about Facebook a little bit. Is there another example? I think my current, Role, Your current I, I would, oh yeah, you I, mentioned I that. Well, hang on before we go there. I do want to say that this idea of having a list of things is something that you absolutely need to do before you start 
pursuing a job. I think though, kind of what you said a second ago, Jasmine, is still true. You can also have this list and evaluate yourself against it on a more ongoing basis, even if you're not looking for a job. If you are in a current job, it's good to reevaluate that list to make sure, like, am I in the right place for me right now? Are there things that maybe aren't going so well and then things that are going really well? Mm-hmm. And if I can see that balance of those things just on paper in front of me, maybe I am in a dream job, right? Yeah, and, and maybe you're not. Like Maybe you came in and you're like, wow, this is perfect and things aren't perfect, but you haven't quite identified what's changed. And so I think sometimes the evaluation of, you know, one thing that I struggled with when I came to Dropbox is I just got, I, I got shifted into a new, new org. And so a lot of things changed and it took me a couple months to get my bearings around me and go, I know things are different, but what about them is making me feel unsettled? And then once I figured what those things were, then I could go about and address them. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's immensely helpful. So what I can see. Oh, sorry. I had one more point. Yes, please. I was thinking, I was like looking up at the ceiling and sort of trailing off. I also think the exercise of, of figuring out what the discrepancies are every, every time you look for a job, like actually understanding what the presentation from afar, how that mismatch to whether good or bad. Um, like sometimes you'll go in and you'll say, oh, it's really important to me that my manager does X, Y, Z. It's a dream job if they're like, you know, a well-known leader and then you go work for somebody who's maybe a little bit more junior and maybe it's not well known. And you're like, you know what? It was awesome. And so then you sort of pull that off your dream job list and, and you can, you can flex with that. Or you can say like, Hey, listen, um, it was really important that I have stability. And then there was an org change. And so how do you, you know, how might in the future I ask questions about that or how might I understand what, like when something looks stable from afar, but might not be internally. Um, how do how do I start to suss that out and get through some of the like mirage of of good jobs? Because every like wh- through recruiting or just through visibility, like yeah, Apple looks like a pretty polished place to work at. Facebook, like maybe I don't know, looks like a worse place than it is sometimes. Um, so like, how do you sort of cut through that to be able to create the right vision in your head so that your vision actually ends up matching reality? Yes, I've got a lot of thoughts here. Uh, I want to start by saying the reason this matters, the reason it's really important to come up with this list of things that you really want to prioritize when evaluating a potential role is because in the absence of that, you're inevitably going to end up somewhere that you're just not happy, that you're not, not only that you're not happy, but you're not enabled and like in a space where you can do the best work that you, you don't have do. the things that yeah make you feel like you have your dream job right it's it's hard to know that that though like mm-hmm. you'll just feel kind of disgruntled you'll feel unhappy mm-hmm. and and just angry about certain things and you won't be able to put words to those things because you've never sat down and put words to those things it's like the designer's job of identifying the problem right so Instead of just, you know, joining a company because it sounds kind of interesting or it's in a really great space or, you know, some person there who's really, really great. You need to really take time to sit down and think about, well, what do I really want and need right now? And what am I willing to like trade off? Because what you'll end up doing is working somewhere that, you know, on paper maybe isn't as exciting as like Apple, but you're actually thriving and you're growing and you're working with great people and you're building your resume and you're making Mm -hmm. money or whatever it is. And you're living a great life. It's just not at 
this weird company that you always thought you'd be working at, right? Yeah. And or maybe that's a stepping stone to your next, your dream job. Yeah. Like maybe dream jobs aren't, I don't know. It depends on if you like to have things to look forward to or if you need to be in the moment now. Mm-hmm. I tend to like to have things to look forward to. The reason I wanted to say <laughs> this point in particular is because I just talked to someone the other day who got, I think, three or four offers, which is always really exciting. And I know a lot of us don't have that. Oof, that's hard, <laughs> that though. It is really hard. And what this person did in particular was they immediately declined, I think, one or two of the offers because of two reasons. One was the first company, I think, was a little bit unheard of. It didn't have like a, a very familiar uh, brand name reputation. And that was part of dream job for this person. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what was the second reason? I just had it. The second reason was because, oh, the second reason was because this person had talked to an ex-employee from the company mm. and heard nothing but negative things. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> which one of those points do you want to dive into first? Either. Uh, the first one was uh, unreputable brand name and or not unreputable. Just a, not a common not household reco- name. Unre- not recognized. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I looked into this a little bit. This company, I had never heard of it either. But they are a multi-billion dollar company doing incredible things in the healthcare industry. Okay. Now, I haven't heard of them because I don't work in healthcare. And like, right. all I want is to walk into a hospital and get taken care of and walk out. I don't need to know about the software manufacturer or whatever, right? Okay. Um, but they were an extremely successful company with a fully stacked design organization that just looked incredible. Yeah. So that felt like a missed opportunity, maybe. The other, uh, the other thing, I forgot it already. That's a former employee had yes. badmouthed so, the company. This is troubling. So this goes back to your point, Jasmine, of, well, how can I assess this company, this role, this opportunity from a, from afar outside of just like the marketing sales pitch or the recruiting sales pitch? Talking to former employees of a company is a really dangerous road. It can go either way. It can go either way. It depends on if that former employee had a good experience or a bad experience. Right. Were they let go? Did they, did they not also, enjoy the company? Also, don't ever look at Glassdoor. Glassdoor? Is that what it's called? What's wrong with Glassdoor? That's where people who, that's where people go to vent. I don't, I, I always leave great reviews when I'm happy. Okay. Well, that's where most people go to vent. <laughs> so, but it's like that. It's like you, you, it's like, a, you know, you're going out to a restaurant and you see one bad review and you're like, I can't go there. And there's usually not a conversation on, on you don't have context on why that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, was that person fired? Or are they angry? Did they truly, I mean, maybe they had a b- bad experience, but maybe, maybe there was something behind that, that cause that person to feel that way and so you don't get two sides to right. those stories and like you said now, if it's somebody you worked with and you trusted like mm. maybe maybe there that works is more um like i remember talking to somebody who worked at a company that i declined um when i was doing my most recent job search and i trusted him like we had worked at czi together and so i could get his his inside take and he, he and I had worked on a team before, so he knew my style, and he was like, you would absolutely love it here. And so I trusted him. Like I trusted him that maybe some of the cultural flags that I had seen were probably not, not that bad. But if it were somebody who was just like a friend of a friend worked there, like I I don't know, or a, a you know a, a blank review with an anonymous sender, I don't know. Right, some, some bot that was generated a review. So I don't think it's dangerous. I just think it's like... You have to you have to consider sources, and if you don't know right. the source, that it's it's hard to to vet. Right, you have to do yeah. due diligence. You have to have due diligence, 
And like you said, it goes the other way as well. I know a lot of people who just have nothing but great things to say about their previous employer. They had an incredible experience. And then you kind of dig in a little bit and you find out that it's an extremely toxic culture and this person mm-hmm. was just favorited or they had to, they were a part of that toxic culture. Right. <laughs> All these things happen. And so in this specific example for this designer that I was working with who rejected these two jobs, uh, what I did is I said, oh, excuse me one second. What I did was I said, okay, like, you know, it's good that you feel confident in these decisions. You would need to feel good about them. But have you taken a step back and said, for example, in that first unknown kind of company, are there other things about the job I want? Are you going to choke on me? Die? I'm starting to cry. No, no there's something in my throat. <laughs> Is there something about the job that I want that I don't have? Uh, yes. Are there, are there things about the, the company, the job, the opportunity that are on your list, mm-hmm. right? And so again, if you don't have that list, it's hard to evaluate. You're going to take one piece of information. Yeah. And that's going to And I think what you tend to do though, is say like great designers work at Google or great designers work at Apple or great designers work at Twitter. And so you want to be one of them or you want to have that experience or you want to work with them. And that might just be, you know, that might be a goal that you go after. I had, you know, we had so many interns at Facebook that everybody wanted to work there and it was just like devastating when folks didn't get roles. And yet might not have been a great fit for everybody. And so I think the why behind getting to the why behind why you want those things. Um, and I'm trying to like continue to bring this back to a current situation where you are working and you're, you're not projecting forward. Um, saying, you know, Hey, my career plan is X, Y, Z, you know, I'm learning exactly what I need to be learning. And so that's the most important thing for me right now. Or, I'm identifying that I'm actually not learning anything that's progressing. And so therefore I need to like, see if I can move teams or um, see if I can get on a different project or something like that. Something that really struck me from what you just said Mm -hmm. that I feel extremely grateful to have learned, particularly over the last, I'd say three or four years is yeah. Companies like big named companies like Apple or Amazon have really incredibly remarkable designers working at them. There are incredible designers everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you Absolutely can be everywhere. one wherever you are. And that, I think, really matters the most as, as like a point for this episode to me is that just because you don't know the company's name or just because the salary is maybe a little bit different, you have to find the things that really matter to you. I'm getting the sense that the people you're talking to are, are mostly um, talking about big names as dream jobs. Because that, that theme has come out pretty clearly in most of our conversation. It, it's one example. Okay. I think a few of them aren't. But I do I do commonly see this. I don't know if you see this as well from the designers you mentor or talk to. But it, it's almost like a regular ambition to work at Google or Facebook or Apple or one of these really fang companies. Because often we hear it. We hear it so often. Huh, uh, that's where the great designers are. Mm. I think the industry kind of touts that. But... The reality is you can be a great designer everywhere and what's going to be great for you and help you thrive is not going to be the same as what it is for everybody else. Now, you could still go get one of those jobs and maybe it's going to be exactly what you hope it is. That's absolutely mm-hmm. possible. But you're not going to know that if your only criteria is one piece of information, is one thing, the name of a company. Or yeah, it might, it might be worth like, I'm trying to think about my own experience. I think the it's not been important for me to work at big name companies. It has been important to me that I work at product companies 
And by that, I mean the, uh, or technology companies are and most recently have been really interested in software and productivity software specifically. Um, and so I think perhaps identifying the, the, the biggest factor that, or the biggest filter you have. And even for me, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, where would I go next? Like I would like to, you know, after the years I spend at Dropbox, hopefully years, um, I would like to go be sort of the VP of design at a, you know, a, a software startup that's, you know, hitting close to IPO. And I want to see them through the maturity that big financial profitability events often sort of like blow things up. Um, and so thinking about like, what is, what is, what would be my, my biggest filter is right now I would I would say like, actually, no, it needs to be a, uh, like a, like a SaaS software company, software as a service software company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I would consider something in healthcare or something. I don't know about education. I have always thought I'd go back, but I don't know. And so that, that's a big filter to me. That's pretty limiting. Like when you look at all of the jobs across, you know, the United States or the world or wherever you're looking, um, and for some people, that big filter might be like, I only want a big name company. Um, it could be for other people, it could be like, must be remote. And those are things that's probably worth taking a hard look and saying, why, why do I consider this part of my dream job? And for remote, it might be like, listen, I live in Atlanta. I've got a couple kids. I'm not going to uproot my family. It's important to me that for my dream job that I can support my family and that my kids can stay in the same schools. Like that's then yes, absolutely. That's a criteria for a dream job. For me, I might need to question myself and say, why must it be a software company? Like, can I, is it actually, is it because I, I'm like so invested in the industry and probably not. I could probably say, actually, I'm putting a filter on finding my dream job that might not actually be necessary. I love that. And I think that's absolutely right. It's, it's the why behind the what. In the earlier examples that I was talking about, these designers who are pursuing VR, that's great. It's good if you want to pursue something like that. Why? What is it about that specific thing that appeals to you? Is it the opportunity to work in a, a small, new, kind of an exciting, innovative space? Is it because really interesting, creative companies are doing that kind of work? Or what is it? Is it and, recognition? Do you think you're going to grow faster there? Like what? It, yeah, absolutely. What's the why behind the what? And once you have that, now you can start really saying, is this right for me? What kind of challenges will I face mm-hmm. if I'm in that situation? Mm-hmm. What kind of rewards might I expect? Mm-hmm. Who is already in that kind of space? All those kind of things. So I want to also, we're, we're coming up on time here, but I want to quickly come back to how do we build this list? Like you and I, Jasmine, we've had years of experience in our careers to understand what we like, and what we don't like, what makes sense to us, what we want in our next job, all these things. But if you don't have those ex- that experience, how do you like know what is worthwhile to put on your list in the first place? You know, we talked about compensation and location, brand recognition. Yeah. But like, what else is there? Do you have something? I do have something, which I've talked about before and I'll talk about again uh, because I think it's really valuable. It, this comes from Paloma Medina. We've talked about her before. Okay. Uh, she's got a, a model that she calls biceps, which is basically the, the core needs that basically any human really has particularly when it comes to work. And so this is a really great place to, I think, to start when it comes to addressing, well, what would a dream job look like for me? The BICEPS acronym stands for the following. Belonging. 
We all want to belong. Mm-hmm. Improvement, progress. Am I going to feel like I'm progressing and growing? Choice. Do I have a choice when it comes to the work I do or how we work or things like that? Equality and fairness. I want to be treated the same as all my peers. Mm-hmm. Predictability. I don't want to mm-hmm. show up to work every day and have random things thrown at me, right? And then the last one, status. Mm. So again, that's called biceps by Paloma Medina. And that's a great foundational starting place to say, well, which of these things matter more to me? How do I interpret these things? Again, I'll just really quickly read the list one more time. Belonging, improvement or progress, choice, equality or fairness, predictability or status. Another framework to look at is that Dan Pink has um, autonomy, mastery and purpose, which would be another thing to look at. Um, and that's really around motivation, but I, I, I think that's at an individual level. And I think some of the things that you're referring to, like improvement is, um, reflected in like mastery. So yeah, yeah that's really great. There's also, I don't think this is any necessarily an existing model from anywhere, but there are four other things that I, that I know about that are really important for people that you can kind of address or analyze when it comes to building a list for your dream job. They are contribution. Do you have, will you have the ability to contribute certain things and what kind of things do you want to contribute? Mm -hmm. Will the business make it easy or difficult for you to understand how you can make a difference Mm -hmm. in the business? The other one is you want to, uh, kind of like ethics, moral, like, do you want to work at some place where you're doing the right thing for the right reasons? Right. The purpose. Yeah. Uh, achievement is another one. And the last one is innovation. Do you want to be somewhere that innovates or somewhere that has a little bit more, uh, you know, standard way. And like whatever framework you're you're using or just taking these all as a list of things to think about, like you don't, some people like will need all of them. Some people need all of them. Um, I think the, like coming up with a list and coming up with the, the really true list are probably two different exercises coming up with a rough draft and then sort of testing them against your own experience. I think that's what where reflection and self-awareness come in to be really helpful tools. Um, I always like, this is a, this is a rose colored glasses thing. I know, but like I look at intercom intercom was my dream job and I can, but I can go back and point to the things that really actually made it excellent, you know, working with amazing people, being um, accepted onto the leadership team with my very specific style that I have. Um, given given an opportunity to really grow and take on, you know, a product role and stretch. Uh, the fact that we were sassy, like we could be humorous and we could we could have fun with each other. And so, like, I can I can sort of go back and say, you know, these these are cultural qualities their people qualities their their role qualities when I work on my mastery when I work on my purpose and I can start to say you know I think I believe about these things but let me actually take them into scenarios of different jobs and where they where they worked well and was that absolutely essential to me staying or or leaving or was it you know did that contribute to me being happy did that me contribute to me feeling like it was a dream job and so I, I think I think it's a process and Particularly knowing that um, dream jobs typically do change over time. We're, we're no longer in generations where like you get the job, you stay at it for 40 years, especially in tech. There's no white picket fence in tech. Um, everything's constantly changing and moving. And so there's 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 a, a luxury to that in that, you know, every couple of years or every year or so, you can find a new challenge and reshape what you want 
Um, but as the, as the jobs are changing and as you're growing and, and, and moving around, it's, it's helpful to, to be flexible with those things. And I, you know, you can take an experimental approach and say, you know, I think this is my dream job. I'm going to go about it. I'm going to you know, take this job and I'm going to, you know, control what I can and really work to, to make it work. Um, and then I'm going to, you know, iterate on the next one. I think one, if I could give advice to anybody, it's that dream jobs usually take work. You don't usually, you know, just happen upon something and it's amazing. Dream jobs are often hard and there are challenges, but it's, can you get to the things that matter to you? Not are they necessarily given to you. They're rarely given to you. Absolutely. In, in bulk, at least in, in that profile that fits you perfectly. Yes. And one nice thing about being able to document, uh, think about process and articulate your idea of what a dream job entails is that you can share it and people can help you with it. So if you have this list of things and you share with your manager, if they're a good manager, they can now help you with those things and ensure that you are getting them. Or if you're not, they can help you learn how to like evolve or move on. So speaking of, if you have a dream job or if you have some ideas around your dream job, shoot us uh, some information about what makes it a dream job for you on yeah. Twitter. I am at Tanner C. Jazzy 33CA. Jazzy J A Z Z. J A Z Z Y 33CA. Thanks for listening. Bye.